It's Wednesday, May 26th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Alicia Alfieri. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here. We've got retail earnings. Uh, we're going to start today in the cloud. Zscaler, the cloud-based cybersecurity company, out with a strong third quarter report. Revenue was higher than expected. Their full-year guidance was upbeat. Um, they cited increased demand for cybersecurity products and services, and shares of Zscaler up 15% this morning. Yeah, so so let's talk briefly about, about Zscaler. So as you mentioned, they're a cloud-based cybersecurity platform uh, that offers its services uh, on a subscription basis. Uh, they provide protection no matter where users are. So this is increasingly important in our remote work lives. And as the company noted in their call, increasingly important as more and more companies find themselves dealing with ransomware and other cyber attacks. Um, so for the results, so a key thing to note here before we get into the results, uh, Zscaler is primarily focused on getting new customers and increasing their current customer spend for their services. So if you're looking at their results, you'll notice that their operating expenses, so sales, sales and marketing, uh, R&D, general and administrative, they're all increasing. Um, in fact, they're, they increased about 53% year over year. This is because Zscaler is aggressively targeting growth. Uh, they're building out their sales teams, investing in their engineering teams, and building out their teams to support their growth. Uh, so as a result, they're reporting net losses instead of net income. Again, this is because they're focused on this aggressive growth. So since their focus is growth, let's talk about it. Uh, the company has more more than 5,000 customers, and uh, revenue for this quarter grew 60% year-over-year uh, to $176.4 million. Uh, and it's important to note here that their sales come from both new and existing customers. So platform upsells are really important to their strategy, um, which is like a lot of uh, software-as-a-service companies. It's a land and expand strategy. So you look to get new customers, that's your land, and then you look to get those customers to spend more, that's your expand. Uh, for Zscaler, this has been working really well. In the quarter, they posted a 126% dollar-based net retention rate. So not only did customers stay, they spent more. Uh, Zscaler has also made some, some interesting acquisitions, um, including smokescreen technologies, which provides technologies to, uh, to detect active attacks, and this will help expand Zscaler's uh, defense capabilities. So really exciting stuff here. Yeah, and it's look. This is I, I know it's been a rough time over the last few months for stocks like this, for you know cloud stocks, growth stocks, you know the the Nasdaq, uh, you know a lot of the companies that we follow at the Motley Fool. You go back far enough, and and they're doing really well. Uh, you go back just a few months, and they're they're all down from their highs. Um, so it's nice to see this sort of bounce back from Zscaler. You know, they're they're a growth company, and they're doing the things you would want them to do um, in terms of their spend. I'm curious if you think that this is an industry that is, for all intents and purposes, a must-have. For investors like us, that that when you look at your portfolio and hopefully you're building to the point where you've got 25 or more stocks in your portfolio, you've got some. I'm not saying necessarily Zscaler, but some exposure to cybersecurity because it really seems like one of those industries that if it's not in your portfolio, you should work to find a place for it. Yeah, I would agree. I think. 
one of the important things that we can do as as investors is really diversify our the foundation of our investments, right? And as you talked about, you know, cybersecurity, especially with with this ransomware attacks that we've been seeing, could be a really important place to to look to grow your own portfolio. It depends on your on your own risks uh, as an investor, of course. But but yeah, I think diversifying uh, is never a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, the, look, you you never want to see like what we saw recently in terms of the you know the pipeline being held for ransom and production shut down and sort of the certainly here in Virginia and in North Carolina and other states you know gas prices spiking as a result of that but it it does seem like that type of activity is one giant advertisement for the cybersecurity industry definitely Nordstrom's loss in the first quarter was nearly double what Wall Street was expecting. Shares of Nordstrom uh, falling eight percent this morning. They, you know, they among the issues Nordstrom is dealing with is um, inventory problems, which every retailer has to manage inventory. And in Nordstrom's case, they had leftover stuff from the holidays they were dealing with, and and had to discount and try and get off the shelves. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> They are trying, <laughs> so I think that's that's an important thing to to note here. Um, so for their fiscal first quarter, I see I've made you laugh, Chris. <laughs> Come on, I um, mean they're they're in they're a for profit business, Alicia. Of course they, they should be trying. They are, they are. Um, but here let, let, let's go through let's go through the 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 results here because they are in the middle of a turnaround plan, and I think that's that's important to note here. Uh, so net sales uh, for the quarter increased. 44% year over year, um, but last quarter was deeply affected by COVID. Um, they did benefit from uh, some of the demand recovery due to increased vaccinations, easing restrictions, and of course, government stimulus checks. But when we compare this quarter to the pre-pandemic first quarter 2019, their net sales decreased about 13%. Um, their digital sales are strong and growing. They increased 28%. Um, uh, prior uh, against the, the pre-pandemic uh, first quarter. And here's a promising sign. So during the quarter, there were over a million downloads of Nordstrom's apps. Uh, that's an increase of over 50% over the first quarter of 2019. But uh, they did report a loss, um, which was granted it was improvement over the first quarter 2020, again, with those COVID uh, impacts, but it is down from the first quarter of 2019. And they did have issues with higher labor, shipping costs, and some some uh, supply constraints uh, that really pressured the results. But again, they're in the middle of this turnaround strategy. Uh, so if we take a deeper look at the things that they've been doing, um, so they're increasing their customer choices. Uh, they plan to increase merchandise selection to 1.5 million items over the next several years. So they've made some progress uh, with the recent quarter. They increased their their choice count, uh, is what they're calling it, uh, roughly 20% versus 2019. Um, Nordstrom rack sales uh, increased at 10% sequentially uh, from the fourth quarter, but they were down 13% when we compare them to the first quarter of 2019. So still some work to do here, um, but they, the company noted that their sales in kids, home, and active categories actually increased uh, 37% against those pre-COVID first quarter 2019 uh, numbers. So that's good. Um, and also for the first time since the start of the pandemic, Nordstrom Rack sales outpaced inventory growth. So hopefully we're seeing reversal of those trends that, that you were talking about earlier. 
they're they're also expecting some uh, some bright spots ahead. Uh, so they've mentioned that their anniversary sale is is coming up. I don't know if you're a shopper at Nordstrom. Are you? I'm not. I'm, I'm sure any shareholders who are listening would like that I and I don't know every single friend I have on the planet would would start shopping there. But um, but no, I mean you know it's a this is a long-standing business. They're they're celebrating their 120th anniversary, so that's nothing to sneeze at. But you know, in terms of you know the sort of the the bright spots ahead, it really seems. Like, let me back up. This stock where it's trading today. Is where it was five years ago. It's it's you know it's risen and fallen since then, but it's basically where it was five years ago. And I, I, I'm not saying everything for this business is riding on the next six months, but it does seem like coming out of the pandemic, this is a great opportunity for Nordstrom to demonstrate that it is focused on the future, it is becoming a different type of company, and it is leaving the past behind because. You know the the downloads of the app. You know that's that's an encouraging sign. Um, they've got a great opportunity here when you think about um, more people going back to work. The you know there there is brand equity for Nordstrom. Um, factor in that we're going to have the 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 two most important seasons for retailers like Nordstrom, which is back to school and the holidays. So they've got an uh, an opportunity here, but. If they can't make the most of the next six months, then it's it's hard for me to come up for a reason why anyone should buy this stock. That's fair. I think some of the the interesting things that I'm I'm going to be looking at is so they talked about um, adding personalized um, styling experiences. So we think that could potentially help them. Um, also, in terms of of when their anniversary sale is, right? So they're expecting that it's actually pretty well timed um, as the economy is reopening and as we start to re-enter society and and get out of those soft and expandable clothes that we've been wearing and into proper pants, right? So so it is possible that they can really turn around. We'll see. We saved the best for last because the stock of the day is Dick's Sporting Goods. First quarter profits weren't just higher than expected, they more than tripled expectations. Same store sales more than doubled and guidance for the fiscal year was up. I mean, this was this was as good a quarter from a retailer as we have seen this earnings season. Yeah, I think sports are back. Uh, so, so Dix is the largest U.S. sporting goods retailer, and they believe they're positioned well to extend this lead. Um, so, they have strong partnerships with brands like North Face, Callaway, Adidas, Nike, Under Armour, and they also have their own vertical brands like uh, Kalia for women, which is a strong performer. And they recently launched uh, a new men's brand called Verst. Um, and they've done a, a good job of being flexible during the pandemic. One of my favorite little figures. Uh, that shows just how flexible they've been is that it took them only two days to launch their curbside pickup during the pandemic. So that's incredible. Um, but let's talk about the first quarter, which, as you said, was really strong. Uh, so first quarter net sales increased 119% year over year to total $2.9 billion. And also, that's a 52% increase over the pre-pandemic first quarter. Uh, this was driven by a 115% year over year 
year increase in same store sales, uh, which includes a 14% increase in their e-commerce uh, curbside, which I talked about before, and buy online pick up in store sales increased roughly 500% over the first quarter uh, 2019, which is incredible. Um, a big factor here was the resurgence in team sports as many kids are uh, returning to sports after a year when we saw a lot of activities uh, being canceled or delayed. They also benefited from government stimulus checks as well. Um, also, 2 million uh, new athletes, which is what they call their customers, regardless of if you're a couch potato like me, um, but nearly 2 million new athletes uh, joined their sporting goods ecosystem. Um, the company also uh, delivered record quarterly earnings of $3.41 per diluted share. This is up 459% over those pre-pandemic first quarter 2019 numbers and a huge improvement over a loss of $1.71 per diluted share in the first quarter 2020. So truly impressive results here. The stock, as I mentioned, up, it's at an all-time high. Do you look at it as being particularly expensive? Or do you look at Dick's Sporting Goods and think, no, this thing has room to run? I think that they have room to run, actually. And and they're, they have some interesting developments that, that they're working on here. Uh, so like a lot of retailers, and including Nordstrom, uh, they're looking to use data science to have a more personalized experience uh, for their athletes and customers. They're also creating really interesting new store options. So they created a Dick's House of Sport in Rochester, New York, which is a reimagined and experiential store. So this is, this is interesting. And I'm excited. Uh, I kind of want to go visit it. So this is a place where athletes and enthusiasts will be able to climb rock walls, uh, practice on an outdoor field. Uh, Dix envisions this as somewhere you could learn, be inspired, and of course, buy some sporting goods, which <laughs> is obviously important. Um, but yeah, really interesting things going on. As I talked about as well, super flexible custom, uh, a company, really impressive that it took them only two days to start a curbside uh, pickup. So, yeah. Um, I was thinking back to um, when Brian Cornell took over at Target um, as CEO, and it was the summer of 2014. And his first year as CEO, and th that was a retailer that had struggled, um, which is why they needed a new CEO. And Brian Cornell's first year as CEO at Target was um, not just great, it was obviously something that um, uh, um, was a sign of things to come for that business. I, I think the stock was up about 35% his first year as CEO. Lauren Hobart took over as CEO of Dick's Sporting Goods back in February. And uh, I think it's fair to say that there were a lot of eyes on her because this was a family-run business since it was started in the late 1940s. It had, you know, it was started by Dick Stack. He was CEO. Then his son took over. I mean, this was a family-run business for 70 years. She is off to as good, if not a better start than Brian Cornell was in 2014. And I'm not, I'm not saying that Dick Sporting Good is as a stock is going to have that type of run. But if her leadership early on is any indication of, of what shareholders can expect, then yeah, this, this is a company with a, a, a lot of growth potential. 
Agreed, agreed. It's really exciting to see uh, what she could do here. Um, and she's she's not new to the company. Uh, to be fair, she did start in in 2011 as a chief marketing officer, so she's had some time with the com- with the company. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see just you know where she could take it and, and where it goes from here. Alicia Alfieri, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. So glad to be here. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.